Chapter Eight of the Santa Claus Storybook. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Santa Claus Storybook by Unknown. Beauty and the Beast. In a large city of the east, there once lived a very rich merchant. He had a splendid home, and large warehouses full of costly goods, and a hundred guests bowed themselves before him, and sat down at his table every day. As his wealth increased, so did the number of his friends, and at last it was difficult to tell which was the greater, the wealth of the merchant with the amount of praise and flattery bestowed upon him. The merchant's family consisted of three sons and three daughters. The sons were tall, well-grown young men, and the daughters were all handsome, dark-eyed ladies. But as frequently happens, the chief gifts of loveliness and grace had been bestowed upon the youngest of them all, and so bright and happy was her face and so winning were all her ways, that as a child she had been called the Little Beauty, and the name still remained when she had become a tall grown-up girl. Happy indeed was it for the merchant that he loved his sons and daughters better than his wealth, for he little thought, as he sat at the head of his plentiful table, with his smiling guests around him, that a terrible misfortune had happened and that he was in fact no better than a ruined man one of his largest ships with a very costly cargo was miserably wrecked on the high seas and only two of the sailors were saved after clinging for days to the fragment of a mast another equally valuable vessel was taken by pirates and a third fell into the hands of the enemy's fleet by land he was equally unfortunate his largest warehouse was burnt, and the Bedouins attacked and plundered a caravan conveying his goods across the desert. So within a few months he sank from the height of wealth and honor to the depths of poverty and want. Very different from the splendid mansion they had inhabited in the days of their prosperity was the quiet country house to which the merchant and his family removed when the misfortunes he had met with by sea and land left him a ruined and broken man all the accessories of wealth had disappeared there were no extensive pleasure grounds no fountains groves of trees or ornamental waters the once wealthy merchant whose capital had furnished the means of employing hundreds of servants was now reduced to labor with his sons in the cultivation of their little farm for on its produce they mainly dependent for their means of subsistence hard as their lot appeared the three sons manfully met the reverses of fortune which had befallen them and both by word and deed they did all in their power to reconcile all the members of the family to their sudden change of position but with the daughters it was far different and here was seen the benefit and advantage derived from habits of industry the two elder sisters were always fretting about their losses 
and their discontent rendered every privation doubly hard for themselves and embittered the lot of the merchant and his sons they could not enjoy the plain fare the others ate with so much relish they rose late and spent the day in bewailing their hard lot and it is a remarkable thing how much people find to bemoan when once they set themselves to complain the two sisters would sit down one with her head in the other's lap crying and sobbing while beauty the younger sister would be fully employed spinning and always had a smile for her father when he came home wearied from his work you may depend upon it there is nothing like industry labor is the proper lot of man and whether it be work in the fields or work in the counting-house or in the study it will always bring pleasure to the workman if it be but well and zealously done the merchant and his sons worked hard morning noon and night and they were so hungry every day when they came home to dinner that they ate their frugal meal with keen appetites and so tired were they when they came from labor at night that they slept soundly and peacefully till morning whereas during the time of the merchant's prosperity he had often been kept awake at night by anxious thoughts for the safety of his ships his warehouses and his stores of gold and silver this thought often entered the merchant's mind and a feeling of gratitude for the comforts he still possessed brought him as near contentment as possible humble as their present residence certainly was a person unacquainted with their history would never have imagined that the contented-looking toilers on the small farm were persons who had held a high position in society but the merchant was a man who had pursued a strictly honest and honorable course in all of his dealings no stain had been cast upon his character by his loss of fortune and having nothing upon his mind connected with the past to awaken regret or remorse he regarded his present position as one still capable of affording happiness but a change came upon their quiet life one day a messenger came to the merchant's gate with a most important letter it contained great news a ship long given up as wrecked and lost had safely anchored in a distant port and the merchant was desired to go and take possession without losing a day you may fancy what a stir this made in the little household the merchant's sons looked hopeful and the two sisters were radiant with smiles they quite gave up their cheerful practice of crying in each other's arms and were full of plans and projects for the future beauty was glad too but she smiled because she loved to see her father look happy the merchant was happy and pleased at the prospect of regaining a portion of his wealth for his children's sake and he had a hundred projects for giving his daughters pleasure by the pretty presents he should bring them on his return before he started he asked each of them in turn what present he should bring her home with him when he had received the money for his cargo i am sorry to say that the two sisters had quite counted on being asked this question and were ready with a long list of the things they wanted chiefly fine dresses and jewels 
and the request somewhat astonished the merchant, who promised, however, that they should have what they wanted. Beauty had not been thinking about herself all this while, and did not know what to reply, as she had no wish for anything in particular. So in order not to disappoint her father's kind intention, she begged him to bring her a full-blown rose, as there were none in their garden. The elder sisters laughed in secret over what they called her stupid choice, but they did not dare to show their spite openly for fear of their brothers. So the merchant rode off on a camel he had borrowed from a friend, and the daughters stood at the door waving their handkerchiefs and crying, Goodbye! But it was Beauty who got the last kiss. The merchant's journey was not so prosperous as he had hoped. The cargo indeed had been saved, and the ship was safe in port, but a lawsuit had been commenced, and there was so much to pay that the merchant set out for home no more richer than he had left it, and it was on his return that he met with the following tremendous adventure. He was riding through a wood, night had fallen, and he had lost his way, though he fancied he could not be very far from home. His weary camel still carried him gallantly on, and he looked anxiously round for any building where he could find shelter until the next morning, for the rain was beating down upon him, the wolves howled in the dreary darkness around him, and the very trees seemed to take horrible spectral forms and made threatening gestures at him. All at once he saw a light gleaming through the trees. It proved to be a lamp, hung at the entrance gate to what seemed to be a park surrounding a palace. Welcome, weary traveler, was written up in Easter characters over the gate. The merchant rode through the gate, and following the stately avenue which it opened upon, he found his way to a large stable, with every convenience for fifty animals, but quite empty. The merchant put up his camel and fed him, and then went to find someone in the palace which he saw near at hand. The doors were wide open, and he entered the vestibule, which was very large, and had a basin with a fountain in the middle. Here he sat and washed his feet. Then he went through many large apartments, all splendidly furnished. There was no one in them, not even a servant to take care of the house. But there was a very handsome supper laid out in one of the rooms, and the merchant sat down, and after waiting for some time for the host to appear, made a hearty meal, all alone by himself, and drank his own health afterward. In the upper floor were several bedrooms, with large beds and handsome wardrobes. In one of these beds the merchant went fast asleep, and never woke till half-past six the next morning. He felt quite refreshed after his night's rest, and walked out into the grounds about the palace in hopes of meeting the owner. Everything here was in first-rate order. The flower-beds were full of beautiful plants, and the walks clean and hard, and the grass plat soft and smooth as a velvet carpet. In one bed stood a splendid rose-tree in full bloom. This set the merchant thinking of his daughter Beauty's wish for a rose and he selected a very fine one, and plucked it. But the moment after he had done so, he heard a tremendous roar, and a heavy hand was laid on his shoulder. 
he turned and saw a monster with the body of a man and a beast's head and claws the creature stood in a threatening attitude over him and cried ungrateful man how dare you repay my kindness by stealing the one thing i prize my beautiful roses now you shall die the merchant in utter terror begged hard for forgiveness calling the beast my lord and declaring that he meant no harm but had only plucked the rose for his youngest daughter whom he loved and who had wished for one i will spare your life on one condition replied the beast you must go home and bring your daughter here in your stead she refuses to come you must promise faithfully to be back yourself within three months and don't call me my lord for i hate flattery and i'm not a lord but a beast which was true enough so promise or die and choose quickly the merchant with a heavy heart consented to the beast's conditions and turned sorrowfully away go to the room you slept in cried the beast after him you may fill a chest you will find there with anything you like and carry it away with you the merchant accordingly filled the chest with gold pieces and sorrowfully departed when he reached his own house his daughters came crowding round to help him and were struck by the settled melancholy in his face in silence he gave the elder sisters the presents he had brought for them and then sat down disconsolately on the ground the two sisters sat examining their presents but beauty went to her father and threw her arms around his neck to comfort him oh my dear beauty here is your rose said the merchant but you little know the price your poor father has promised to pay for it and he told her everything just as it had occurred the elder sisters came up to listen and of course began to throw all the blame on poor beauty if the affected little thing had only asked for presents like ours they declared there would have been no such trouble as this and our father would not be in danger of his life he is not in danger now answered beauty quietly for i will go to the beast and bear the punishment of death in his stead the brothers offered to go and begged hard but the merchant knew that the beast would not be put off and that he would be satisfied with no one but beauty or one of her sisters he had also secret hopes that her life would be spared for the beast's generosity had made him think that after all the monster would not like to sacrifice the life of a young and innocent creature i regret to say that the sisters secretly exulted at beauty's apparently sad fate but the brothers were really and truly grieved and kissed their sister heartily before she set out with her father on their sorrowful journey the domain around the beast's palace was exceedingly beautiful birds with splendid plumage flew about and sang merry songs as they built their nests in the thick trees in spite of the sorrowful nature of their errand the two travellers could not help feel a little comforted by the beauty of the scene around them and the nearer they came to the beast's palace the fresher became the verdure and the thicker the throng of chirping birds so that it seemed as if nature were showing its joy over some happy event 
in due time they reached the palace which they found deserted as on the merchant's first visit but in the spacious reception hall a magnificent supper was laid with covers for two persons they sat down to the table but beauty could hardly eat a bit for terror while her father was overwhelmed with grief and sighed deeply at each mouthful he took when supper was over a heavy tread was heard sounding along the corridor and the door of the room was roughly opened and the beast came stalking in and oh he was far far uglier than beauty had imagined he could possibly be she turned pale at the sight of him as he turned toward her and asked if she had come to him of her own free will she faltered out yes beast and the monster observed in a softened tone beauty i am much obliged to you this mild behavior on the part of the proprietor somewhat raised the hopes of the merchant but they were instantly damped by the beast turning toward him and gruffly commanding him to quit the palace and never to return again under pain of death having given this order in a tone which showed that he intended to be obeyed the beast retired with a bow and a good night to beauty and a glance at her father which seemed to say make haste off the merchant departed after kissing his daughter a hundred times and weeping bitterly while she poor girl tried to raise his spirits by feigning a courage she did not feel when he was gone she took a candlestick and wandered along the corridor in search of her room she soon came to a door on which was inscribed in large letters beauty's apartment this proved to be a large room elegantly furnished with bookcases sofas and pictures and a guitar and other musical instruments hung against the wall beauty retired to rest and exhausted with her journey and her grief she quickly fell asleep next morning she examined her apartment more closely on the first leaf of an album was written her own name beauty and immediately beneath it stood in letters of gold the following verse beauteous lady dry your tears here's no cause for sighs or fears command as freely as you may compliance still attends your way ah thought the girl if i might have a wish granted it would be to see how my poor father is she turned as she said it in a mirror opposite to her great surprise she saw a picture of her home as in a magic lantern view the merchant was lying on a couch distracted with grief and beauty's two sisters were at the window one of them sitting on a stool looking listlessly out and the other standing by assisting her at this sad sight poor beauty wept bitterly but after a time she regained her fortitude and proceeded into the spacious dining-room where she found a repast prepared for her as on the preceding day the beast too came in and asked permission to stay and see her eat beauty replied yes and all the while she was making her repast the beast sat by looking 
at her with eyes of great admiration he soon began to talk and astonished the young lady by the extent of his information on various subjects at last he asked her suddenly if she really thought him so very very ugly beauty was obliged to reply yes shockingly ugly but added that he could not help his looks this reflection did not seem to console the poor beast much for he sighed deeply after sitting for a little time in silence he arose to go and then turning he seemed to collect all his courage for one grand effort and asked beauty to that lady's great astonishment if she would marry him she at once replied no beast in a very decided way whereupon her suitor gave a great sigh and retired looking very doleful for some little time beauty's life was a very quiet one she roamed about the palace and through the gardens just as she pleased and invisible attendants brought her what she wanted every evening the beast would come to supper and try to entertain her as best as he might and he was so informed and talked so sensibly that beauty began to like him very much still his hideous form shocked her each time she looked at him and whenever her host after exerting himself to be agreeable all the evening repeated his question beauty will you marry me she always replied no beast but soon beauty began to be homesick the more so that her glass which she never failed to consult each day showed her that the merchant her father was pining for her very much his sons had gone to fight their country's battles and his two eldest daughters had got married and were employed with their husbands in domestic quarrels so you see it was rather dull for the merchant therefore beauty begged the beast to let her go home and see her father he was rather alarmed at the proposal deeming it not impossible that she might forget to come back again so he exacted a promise from her that she would only stay away a week and then return tomorrow morning said the beast you will find yourself at your father's house but pray pray do not forget me in my loneliness and do not fail to return as you have promised he then bade her a sorrowful farewell and beauty retired to rest when she awoke in the morning she found herself in her old bed at her father's by the bedside lay a large chest of beautiful apparel and sets of jewels you may fancy how glad her father was to see her but the envious sisters who were there on a visit were not at all pleased at her return one of the ladies had a scratch on her face and the other three large bruises on her arm both arising out of the differences they had had with their husbands they at first declared that the box with the presents had been intended by the beast for them whereupon the box at once disappeared in a gentle hint that they were mistaken on the failure of this selfish scheme they resolved as they expressed it to serve out that conceited beauty by making her overstay her time and they hoped the beast might be very angry 
and receive her accordingly the days passed happily away and the sisters behaved with such hypocritical kindness that beauty was prevailed upon to stay first one week and then two weeks longer than she had intended but what was the beast doing all this time he was very lonely in his palace waiting vainly for the return of his beloved beauty and every evening at sunset he would lie down on the grass in his garden thinking of her till his very head ached with longing to see her again one evening however as she sat with her father at their supper a likeness of the beast stood before her like a figure in a dream he was very pale and looked dreadfully thin and dejected his countenance which was turned toward beauty wore a look of reproach this cut her to the heart and she at once told her father that she would return to the beast's palace the next day she resisted his earnest efforts to persuade her to remain longer as well as the insincere entreaties of her sisters and the next morning set out for the palace her father of course went along to see her safely to the palace and her sisters under pretence of not wishing to part with her to the last moment accompanied her too their real motive being curiosity to see the beast's palace now that there seemed to be no reason to fear violence from him they reached the palace but no beast appeared to welcome them beauty went in search of him and at length on reaching a distant apartment found him stretched out on a couch attended by an old physician and apparently dying his eyes were closed and he did not seem even to breathe beauty had not known till now how fond she was of the poor beast but when the prospect of losing him came before her she felt dreadfully grieved she tried every means to bring the beast back to life but for a long time her efforts were fruitless she knelt beside him and called him by every endearing name she could think of at length he opened his eyes and when he saw her a gleam of joy shot over his countenance and he said in a feeble voice have you come at last beauty i have been waiting very long for you and despaired of ever seeing you again but now i have looked on you once more i can die in quiet beauty was fairly overcome by such gentleness and kindness no no she cried dear beast you shall not die you have been very kind to me much kinder than i deserve and you are so good that i do not care for your looks and indeed indeed i i i will be your wife at that instant a great crash was heard and sweet sounds of music filled the air in every direction for a moment or two beauty stood bewildered with amazement at the sudden burst of joyous melody with which the very walls of the palace seemed to vibrate but a gentle and grateful pressure of her hand recalled her to herself and she beheld with astonishment that the beast had been transformed into a graceful and handsome young prince who was kneeling before her and gazing upon her with a look of mingled love and admiration 
now for the first time beauty began to understand the deeper meaning in the beast's words when he had asked her if she would marry him now she could understand his wish to have her in his palace his care for her comfort his evident desire to make himself agreeable and pleasing to her so that she might forget the ugliness of his person in her respect for him and her gratitude for his kindness and lastly she could understand the beast's despair when she talked of leaving him and his ardent desire for her return all this flashed suddenly upon beauty as she stood with the handsome young prince gazing upon her she could hardly recover breath enough to falter out a question concerning the meaning of all this the prince answered her with eyes beaming with gratitude and affection was enchantment dear beauty he cried a wicked fairy had laid me under a spell and transformed me into the shape of a hideous beast to retain it until a beautiful girl should consent of her own free will to marry me you have done so your goodness of heart and your gratitude made me overlook my defects of form and feature and in consenting to become the beast's wife you had restored an unfortunate prince to his own shape and to happiness they were married in a few days of course the merchant was present at the ceremony as joyful at the good fortune which had befallen his daughter as he had been sorrowful on the dreary evening when he had left her alone in the power of the beast the sisters too were present by invitation of beauty for she was far too good and kind a girl to remember how shabbily they had treated her and she gave them the best welcome she could though they made themselves anything but agreeable i can assure you tis a wonderful thing that the more you do to please envious people whether grown-up or children the less they will thank you for it but it does not follow that we should return good for evil notwithstanding the brave brothers came too and danced with the prettiest girls among the guests and both looked and felt far happier than they ever did in the brightest days of their father's prosperity for in their case adversity had proved only a lesson that true happiness does not consist in wealth alone the good fortune of their favorite sister was to them a greater source of pleasure than if it had been their own case but the envious sisters when they saw how splendid the palace was and how the handsome bridegroom doted upon his bride turned up their jealous noses in secret and wondered more than ever at what they were pleased to term that beauty's luck to the very last they maintained that it was merely chance that had favoured their young sister and in all the trouble into which their violent tempers constantly led them they would bemoan their hard fate and try to make out that by right they as the elder sisters should have had the brilliant fate that had fallen to the lot of their sister beauty we know better to what beauty owed her good fortune my little readers do we not we know that she earned her success by her own good behavior and that the sisters brought their misfortunes on themselves solely by their extreme selfishness and vanity 
and we are happy to be able to tell that our good beauty and her husband lived long afterwards and that their days were passed in bliss as nearly perfect as can fall to the lot of mortals the sterling virtue and good sense which beauty had shown under adverse fortune were not affected by prosperity and the kindness of heart and excellence of judgment which had marked her conduct during her period of trial continued to be traits of her character to the end although her new station was a very exalted one she never allowed herself to become puffed up with greatness nor let selfish enjoyments engross her attention but always found her chief pleasure in the performance of her duties in ministering to the happiness of others End of chapter 8